Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. We've been blessed over the years, and you, you know if you've been around with this church, we don't just bring in uh, the latest flashy guest or whatever the case is. Any speakers we have in this pulpit here are um, generally personal friends that we know uh, their history, you know who they are. And occasionally we have a special opportunity of those that we've served together with on staff here at this church, and that's what's happening here today. Kent Chevalier was our youth pastor for a number of years. His wife, Erica, uh, along with Brenda Dady, our children's pastor for years back, um, opened handprints for us. And one thing I love about this church is with rare exception, um, all the staff from decades back are still in relationship with one another, still serving the Lord. Kent came to us and Erica from Pittsburgh. They returned to that dark land uh, years back. And um, in recent years, have become the chaplain to um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, in addition to all of this, Kent is not only a speaker, uh, but he's also a podcaster and blogger. He is also uh, a musician. Uh, so many other aspects about him, but the biggest thing has just been the friendship that we've shared over the years and the ministry that he's involved with right now. And so as he comes and shares with us this morning, I'm going to ask, would you please warmly welcome Kent and Erica Chevalier. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good morning, everybody. Hey, good to be with all of you. Um, hey, I just want to say to you guys real quick, uh, we dedicated two of our three daughters here. And this church changed the trajectory of our life, our marriage, our ministry, our daughters. And so, man, what an incredible moment today to be able to be a part of this community together and to witness that with you. I can't wait to hear the story of what God has done, you know, because I know what he did in our lives through this church and being surrounded by this church. And so it's good to be with all of you, Rock Point. It's great to be back with all of you. Um, man, I, I blame Randy for the fact that the Steelers lost <laughs> because he invited me to speak before the playoff run and all that. So I wish that we were still playing today, but Randy ruined it. So it's his fault. I had to tell Coach Tomlin that. But, um, you know, we're just kind of experiencing what, what the Lions have been experiencing for so many years, just losses. <laughs> Come on. I mean, we're experiencing for real. Anyway, hey, I, I have a great appreciation for all of you. And it's so good to see some of you former students, former volunteers in the youth ministry. Man, I love you. Um, so it's great to be back today. Hey, I want to invite you to turn to Luke 15. That's where we're going to be. If you've got your paper Bibles or your digital Bibles, hit there. And I, as we start into Luke 15, I want to ask us a series of questions. Class participation time. I want you to raise your hands when I ask this question. How many of you ever got lost as a kid by accident? 
Okay, so many of us, right? Yeah, we were all freaking out as kids. Mom, you know, babysitter. How many of you were that babysitter that lost a kid by accident? You know, the parent who lost the kid by accident. We've been there, done that. You're gonna lose her, you know, at some point, right? It's just a matter of time, right? Okay, let me ask you this. How many of you were that kid who intentionally hid under the clothes rack, you know, so that your parents or the babysitter couldn't find you. Yeah? Okay, I see some of you. The rest of you are lying. You're, you know, you were that kid too. Let me ask you this one. How many of you, hands raised, how many of you ran away when you were little only to come back like an hour later? Anybody? All right. Some of you in here, you, you ran away. And you didn't come back for a long time. Right, So I want to get us into Luke 15 today. We're going to talk about the lost parables. I'm going to read this entire powerful chapter of Scripture. So buckle up, get ready. I want you to follow along with me. Get your underline or highlight function ready. Luke records three parables back to back to back that have such significance. And, and here's what he does. As we read the scriptures, here's what I want us to do today because this is the reason why Jesus tells these stories. To draw his audience in to see if they see themselves in the story. And so as we read the scriptures today, I want you to see if you find yourself anywhere in this parable, these made-up stories that Jesus Present. So let me show you his audience real quick of who he's telling this story to. Here it is, Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And then the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So get this picture. The, the audience, if you will, the crowd has two different kinds of people in it. Those who love Jesus and those who hate him. Those who are, man, they can't get enough of what Jesus has been teaching. They are drawn to him. But then you have the scribes that they're trying to figure out a way to trap Jesus, get rid of Jesus. They hate what it is that he's teaching. Those two different types of people are in his audience. And then he tells these parables. First one, he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep? If he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. And now he explains the parable. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This is the parable of the lost sheep. But he continues, Luke records, or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the whole house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me. For I have found the coin that I had lost. And so he explains, just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the parable of the lost coin. But he continues. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. Now, you got to know this about the culture of which Jesus is speaking into. 
This would have been a slap in the face to the father. He's basically saying to his dad, I wish you were dead. Because that's when the inheritance would be split up, when the person was dead. And so he's saying, I wish you were dead, so hurry up and give me my money. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Now, when you dig apart in the original language of which this was spoken, those words that are translated in English as reckless living... You can just use your imagination of what was involved in all kinds of debauchery of that far country journey. So when he had spent everything then, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now remember the audience a group of Jewish people who had these dietary laws and pigs were off limits, gross, uh, unclean. So they're going, right? I love how Jesus draws them in. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, gross. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I'm perishing here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. You get an idea that he's rehearsing a speech, memorizing a speech. Now here's where I want you to get your highlight function ready. Underline this next portion. This is so important. And then he arose and came to his father. Underline that because we're going to come back to it. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, here's the, here's the speech, father, I sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, it's like he cuts him off. And he said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to celebrate. Do you you see here with all three of these parables, man, that there, you know, something is lost, then it's found, and then there's a massive celebration. You seeing this in here? Everybody's partying together. Come with me, rejoice. But not everybody is celebrating. Check this out. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard the music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brothers come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But look at this, you everybody. He was angry. And he refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. I, I believe a better translation for our, the way we talk today, begged him, pleaded with him, come in. But he answered his father, look, man, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed one of your commands. Yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my buddies. But when this son of yours, notice he doesn't call him his brother. When this son of yours came, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. 
And the father said to him, son, you're always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and now he's alive, he was lost and now he's found. These are the lost parables and man, I love this chapter of scripture but let me ask, did you see yourself in there? I want to break this down for us this morning with the time that I have. Three parables. And what I think I see is four different types of lost people. Now, here's the thing in the church. We got like our special language that we have. When we inside the church, we think that lost people are people who are not part of the church. That lost people are those who aren't following Jesus. But I see Jesus talking about four different types of lost people who are in his crowd. So I want to break this down because I want to see maybe if you see yourself like I see myself in this powerful passage. So let me break this down. Number one, I believe four types of lost people. We're going to go. The number one, if you want to take notes with me, is the unintentional wanderer. Now, have you ever seen a sheep eat grass? <laughs> How does a sheep eat grass? They, they, they put their head down and they... They look at the grass, and they're like, wow, it's green. I want to eat that. <laughs> yeah, so they keep their head down. They eat that portion of the grass, and then they, they move on, and they, they wander to the next piece of grass, right? And they eat that. Their head is down on the grass, right? And they're oblivious to what's happening around them because they just want the grass. And so they move to the next portion of, of the grass, right? That's how a sheep eats grass. Now, um, a few years back, I was with my wife Erica and our daughters at what's called the Three Rivers Art Festival. And um, it's not really exactly my scene, but I just wanted to be with my girls and hang with Erica. So they, they go to these little booths that have all these different artists and you know, trinkets, and it's just not my thing. So I don't know if you guys do this when you get bored. I sort of pulled my phone out and I just started, you know, because I know that they're just going from booth to booth. And so I just figured, okay, I'm going to check some social media here. You know, nobody else does this when you get bored, right? So like, I, I just pulled out my phone and I'm checking social media. I'm, you know, I'm sending out some tweets and they're going from booth to booth. And I'm not really paying attention because my head's down on all of this. And I'm returning some emails. I'm putting out some fires because in leadership, I got to do that. And all of a sudden, like, I looked up and I was like, whoa. I was in a massive sea of people, but I didn't see my people, right? I didn't see my wife and daughters. And, and so I wonder if any of you may feel like that spiritually. Let me explain. You know, maybe your parents, they brought you up in church and you learned about Jesus in Sunday school and then when you graduated from high school, man, you, you got busy. You went off to school and, and you sort of just wandered, you know, into the classes or maybe you went straight into the workforce and your head was down on your career at that point and then, oh, you got to meet her, right? And so you start dating her. Your attention was focused on her and that relationship and then man, maybe you got married, maybe you had kids and, and, and you're, you got involved in the kids' activities and, and there was so much that your eyes were down on. I got some great hobbies and things and then all of a sudden, 
sudden you lift your eyes up and you're like, whoa, I've not been in church in years. I haven't opened up the scriptures in a really long time. You didn't, you didn't mean it. You didn't mean to do it. You're not a bad person. It's just that you unintentionally wandered. And for whatever reason, maybe you're here today and this is the day that you're kind of lifting your head going, man, I haven't, I haven't been back in a while. It's great to see my people. I didn't mean to wander away. See, here's the thing about unintentional wanderers that you need to know from this passage is that God has never taken his eyes off of you and he wants to come to you. He's chasing after you in a really good way because he loves you and he wants the best for you. And his eyes have been on you as you have gone from path to path to path to unintentionally wandering away. And he wants to come to you today, pick you up and say, come back in the fold. I know you didn't mean it but you are far from God. Are you the unintentional wanderer? The second parable, the parable of the lost coin, I want to call the unexpectedly helpless. Four types of lost people. This second category is the unexpectedly helpless. Now, we need to do some work in this one because in our culture today, we really don't use coins all that much. Think, think about it, in a, in a tap and pay culture, right? I just boop, and it works, right? In a, um, you know, order online culture, I, my guess is that if, if there was a penny or a dime on the ground, many of us at this point, we'd just step over it, right? We don't, we don't use coins all that much in our culture, so we need to do some hard work here as to what it is that Jesus is meaning here. When you think about a coin, which I have here today, which, you know, Funny thing, this morning, I, I actually thought I lost this. It was the only coin that I brought with me. So I was like, oh, no. It, it was in my toiletry bag. It had fallen. Anyway, I was experiencing the parable in real time. Um, so when you think about a coin, I have a quarter here. When you think about it, when it's dropped, when it's lost, it's useless by itself as an inanimate object. It cannot speak for itself. It cannot work to be picked up by itself unless somebody comes to pick it up again, to find it. It's really useless. It can't save itself from being an inanimate object. And you see what Jesus is doing here. He's speaking to the human condition. That you and I are like this coin. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. That when it comes to a relationship with God, there's nothing that you and I can bring to the table. We got nothing. We are as helpless as a coin that has been lost. And thank God for his grace. That there's nothing that I can do to earn a spot in heaven. That he comes and he picks me up because of Jesus Christ in his work on the cross, that he has done it for me. He picks me up. So think about this, the value of a coin. See, in our culture today, not much value here. So let me ask you a question. How much, class participation time, how much is this quarter worth? You're wrong. Everybody said 25 cents, you're wrong. 
See, this quarter, if you extract the silver out of this coin, now I'll give you the fact that our government says this is worth 25, that a cashier says it's worth 25, but here's the thing. If you were to take a Washington quarter made from 1936 to 1940-something, I believe, here's the thing. A Washington quarter made of silver, complete silver, in mint condition, like a, like a masterpiece, like a perfect, like incredible workmanship, that if a mint condition, do you know how much this quarter is actually worth? Over $600. Here's my point. Some of you have been told with words that you are worth less than what you actually are. You've grown up in homes where people have demeaned you with their words. Leaders who have shot you down to shove you down to make you feel valueless. And you've been carrying that for a long time. And I'm here to tell you, friends, that your worth is not determined by the culture around you. Your worth is not determined by people's words about you. Your worth is determined by the creator's imprint on you. You are an image bearer of the almighty God as a daughter or a son of God. Know who you are and take that to the bank. You are worth more than those people's words. So think about this. The value of a coin. Something must have happened that this woman, an unexpected event took place that she lost this coin. And it was so valuable to her. We know this because she, she tore the house all apart. It was so valuable to her. She would do anything to find this coin. But something happened that caused her to lose it. And I wonder if there's anybody here today, spiritually speaking, that something has happened in your life that has caused you to spin. The loss of a loved one. The loss of a job. When you were in that doctor's office and you got that diagnosis, and man... That unexpected event crushed you. And you feel so helpless. See, friends, one of two things happen when an unexpected event happens. As 25 years in ministry, I watch it, and and one of two things happen. Either people run to God in that moment, or they run away from God. And here's, here's what happened. I blame you. You did this. How dare, how could you? I've watched it time and time again. And I want to speak to that group of people because I am you. See, during COVID, my brother died, 49 years old. And man, this event absolutely crushed me. And I know what it's like to have the claws of the enemy of your soul trying to draw you back into the darkness where he messes with your mind, he messes with your dreams, he messes with depression, he messes with anxiety. I know what it's like. But I'm here to tell you it wasn't his fault. It wasn't God's fault. 
And he's not, he's not mad at you because you have questions. I have, since my brother died, 10 days. He got COVID, 10 days he was gone. I, I've been in therapy. Uh, man, I, I have done an intensive five days of intense therapy to try to help me climb and claw out of this darkness. We were singing this song, right? That God shines in the shadows. And that's a word for somebody today. Because you've been lingering in the darkness, trying to find truth, being just mad. And I want you to know that God is with you here in this place. And he can even shine in that tragedy. And he can point you to the place of truth. He wants to find you there. It's not his fault. He loves you. And he's going to take that somehow, some way. And I still don't understand why my brother had to die. But God has been teaching me things through it. He's with me in that pain. He's with you in that tragedy. Unexpectedly helpless. I want you to know God has never left you. And he never will. And he wants you to come out of those shadows and come back home with him. The third that I see from these parables. Now we're getting into the parable of what we usually call the prodigal son. But did you know that there's two lost sons in this parable? So I want to talk about this first one, and I want to call him and call this category of people the deliberate runaway. Now, when I was a little kid, um, I got fed up at home. I think I was like nine or 10 years old, and I was just mad. And so I ran away, and I ran to my neighbor's house. I packed my bags and ran to my neighbor's house, and I, and I, I climbed up their tree. Now, it was about 20 minutes in of just sitting up in that tree that I got really bored. And I realized, oh, man, I forgot to pack any food. <laughs> right? And so after like a half hour, I was just like, this is dumb. I'm and I went right back home. And I wonder if this might be any of us who have been maybe raised in the church. You know, maybe your parents... They brought you even into this building consistently and you actually saw some things. And you've seen things because of the power of social media and media today. You have seen that people, man, they, they squander their platforms and you've seen the moral failures. You have seen so many things when it comes to God and Jesus and Christianity that you're just fed up and you're like, forget it all. I'm out. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. And you have now intentionally, man, deliberately, you're searching and you're going after it, man. You are, you are squandering your life on that career, but it feels great and you love it, right? And you've been, you've been chasing the girls. You've been chasing the drugs. You've been chasing the party scene. And when you get to the empty bottle, the next day you're just as empty as that bottle. And there's something about today that if that's you, even to the point of last night, man, if you got in your, you're kind of coming to your senses, maybe that invitation to come and be a part of this or join in online today, like there's this sense of something's missing in all of that chase and all of that pursuit. And for whatever reason, you are here today. 
And I want you to know that God has been waiting for this moment. But let's talk about the older brother for a second. I'm going to call this guy the tragically religious. Tragically religious. Do you realize that he refused the invitation to come into his father's house for the party? There's a, there's a party going on, and his father comes out and he pleads with him. And what does he do? He gets mad that the father let that person inside. There's a couple things that I think we can learn from the tragically religious older son here. Number one, I want us to see that we are always invited into God's home, into his house. He pleads with us, but here's what I want us to know. Some Some of you, man, you feel like you have been forced to come into this place today, but I want you to know God will never force you to do anything that you don't want to do. It's always an invitation. Always an invitation. The second thing, and I need anybody who's grown up in the church like I did, I need you to really pay attention at this moment because I'm about to share a truth that has rocked my life personally. So please hear this. Close proximity to the house does not mean a close relationship with the father. You've made a, you may have grown up in this building your entire life or a building like it that has a steeple on it. You've been around all kinds of church people, but you, as you have grown up in this house, you still do not have a relationship with God the Father. See, you're just a rule follower. <laughs> you don't have a relationship. See, God, God is not a God who wants you to just follow all these rules. God's a God, just like the Father. Please come in to the house, but I'm not going to force you. I want to be in relationship with you. Are you the tragically religious who's going to miss out on the party if you don't come in? So in all of these, right, you see at the end of these parables, something lost is found, and there's a massive party that takes place. And so here's what I want you to know. No matter where we are in all four of these categories, I've been in all four. Sometimes I feel like I'm still all four of these categories, right? Here's what I want us to know. There is a party in heaven, and you, I, we are on the guest list. Our name is on the guest list, but don't woo-woo-woo just yet. Because here's what has to happen. You have to come in to the party. And we have to come in on his terms, not ours. And we've got to humble ourselves and come in that door. And his name is Jesus Christ. And we have to humble ourselves and give up our way of doing things to follow his way of doing things. This is what I was talking to the men at last night. So there's a party in heaven with your name on it. You're on the guest list but you have to come in. Jesus put it this way in Revelation. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You see the relationship that he wants, not proximity. I want to be in relationship with you. So what was the response? 
What was the response of the younger son? What did he do? He came to his senses. There was a moment of decision where he said, I've got to do something. And what did he do? He arose. This is what I had you highlight. He arose and he came to his father. And so I want to give all of us a moment right here where you can make a decision right now in all four of these categories, a decision to arise out of that place of being lost and to arise and come to the Father. So I'm gonna go through each of these categories and give you a moment to physically stand. An invitation for you to stand and say, yes, that's me, and I wanna come into this party with God in heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. So if you are the unintentional wanderer, man, you didn't mean it, but you would say right now, man, I'm far from God, I... I I haven't been here in a while. I, I don't read my scriptures. I, 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 don't, I don't have a relationship. I, I didn't mean to. I learned it when I was a kid, but man, I just got busy. If you are the unintentional wanderer and you want to arise and come to your father on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to be bold and I'm going to ask you to stand up and stay standing because as we go through this, the room is going to fill with people who are standing. So are you the unintentional wanderer on the count of three, arise and come to your father? One, two, three. Is that you? Okay, I see you. Thank you for being bold. Thank you. Stay standing. Are you the unexpectedly helpless man? You have had something in your life that has took place that has crushed you and it's been drawing you back into the darkness and you want to claw back today with the help of God your Father shining in that darkness. Is that you? On the count of three, unexpectedly helpless, come, arise, and come to your Father. Man, thank you for being bold. Thank you for being bold. Are you the deliberate runaway, where you, man, you know it. Let's just be honest. One thing in our culture today, we don't know if people are being honest or not. So a time of honesty right now, deliberate runaway, just like I was. You said, God, I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. And in this moment, you're saying, no, 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 man, I, I'm coming to my senses and I'm gonna turn around. I'm gonna repent and come back to you. Are you the deliberate runaway if you wanna come to the Father? One, two, three. Awesome, man. You are my brothers. I know what it's like. I love it. I see you. Are you the tragically religious? Man, you grew up in this place or a place like it. And some of those people that are in here, let's just be honest, you've been looking down your pious little nose saying, I can't believe that they're in here. But now all of a sudden you're realizing, wait, I am that person. I can't believe that God would want me. So are you the tragically religious? And if you want to arise and come to your father, one, two, three, is that you? Rise and come to your father through Jesus Christ. See, the church is full of lost people. And we need to be careful of the language that we use because we all need Jesus. And so I want to celebrate with all of you who are bold enough to say, I'm lost. I need Jesus to find me. Please, God, I want to come into the party. And so as a church, would you, the rest of us, would you please stand with us? And we are going to worship God right now. And we're going to celebrate the fact that still lost people are being found today, that God is real. He is in this place and he's transforming lives today. I love you all. Thank you for having me here.